Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 435 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Sunday night, July 31st, 2022. According to some folks on the internet yesterday, it was George Jetson's birthday today. Uh, I think that the references that I saw have been since deleted, but it's possible that in the universe in which the Jetsons exist... George Jetson was born today, so it's a very bizarre day to think about the future, but also to think about the past. I am your host for this episode. I am Sam Klein. I am coming to you for the last time from my apartment in Boston because tomorrow, approximately like a little less than 24 hours from now, I will be moving to a different apartment in Cambridge, Massachusetts, very close to where I live right now, uh, just across the Charles River but I'll be in a new county, which means I can avoid the jury duty that I was called into uh, in September. That all being said, if you think that I'm having a bit of a rambling night here, one of the reasons for that is that I am doing this one solo. Jason and Donald are not here. No one will hear this episode except for me before it goes live, which means that if there are any mistakes, you can direct them my way. Speaking of mistakes... What you are about to listen to is an interview that I did a couple days ago with Jack White. We did that on Thursday afternoon. I would have loved 
to have posted it on Thursday. Unfortunately, when I recorded that interview, I decided to do a slightly different recording setup. I was at my day job at my office and uh, failed to use my microphone correctly. So my audio came through poorly. Luckily, Jack's audio came in perfectly. So you will hear Jack's audio, but I have re-edited this interview so that I am asking the questions. Three days later, they're more or less the same words that I used when I first talked to him. So I haven't done too much creative licensing with the content that you are about to listen to, but you don't get to hear about what Jason and Donald are up to. They did help me feed questions to Jack, so hopefully you enjoy the conversation. Without much further ado, here is my interview with Jack White, uh, alumnus of Duke University, captain of the Duke men's basketball team for the 2020 season, and newest Denver Nugget. Enjoy. Welcome back. We are joined now, or I am joined, I should say, by Jack White, class of 2020 Duke University alumnus, most recently of Melbourne United, but now a member of the Denver Nuggets on a two-way contract, recently had a standout performance in Summer League. Jack White, welcome to the DBR podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me on. And let's start with the big news. So this is your first summer league experience. Of course, you graduated during the COVID year, went back to Australia, uh, had some injuries, but but finally got to hook on with an NBA team here. So how did you originally get set up with the Nuggets? Um, well, yeah, it was it was the first time um, I had torn my Achilles um, last year in 2021, so I wasn't able to do it um, last year, um, and you know in my conversations with the Nuggets um you know they made it clear that if I was healthy they would have loved to have me last year as well but um you know they tried to I guess secure my position on the team pretty early and and that was a you know just a great feeling to feel wanted and and um you know I guess appreciated by by an organization because they definitely didn't have to do that um and you know I knew there was a good opportunity there with them to to compete for something in the two-way um so that was also um, I guess an attractive thing about about Denver that drew me to them, um, but it was it was ultimately just a bit of a no brainer. Um, you know, just my conversations that I've had with people from the organisation have been so good from day one. You know, they supported me in in doing my national team stuff right before I came over to summer league, and um, you know, I came late to camp, and you know, but they still gave me a fair shot and, and welcomed me, and it was just great people from from my teammates to to every staff member. It was just. Um, you know, you could tell, like, just the culture of the organization was at a high level and it just made it, you know, just an enjoyable place to be around. So is it typical for guys like you who aren't coming in out of the draft or, or right out of the draft process, guys who are coming to Summer League from other places, is it normal for the team that you're signing with to have a, a dedicated plan and how they're using you, sort of the way that you were just describing? Or was yours more of an atypical experience? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Um, I mean, coming in, I was told, you know, they were looking for like a defensive-minded forward and like obviously that, um, I guess, is sort of catered to, to how I play my game. And um, so I knew that there was an opportunity there, but, you know, I definitely wasn't the only guy that sort of fit those credentials and, and had the tools that they were looking for. So, 
Um, you know, coming in like to summer league, like it's a bit of a, it's a bit of like a crazy little tournament, to be honest. Like you have like 15, 16 guys on each team, 40 minute games, like coaches, front office, you know, they got to find a way to, to have a look at everyone. So it, it's a bit of a, a circus in that respect in terms of how to best approach it and, and see what you want to see out of the guys that um, you have that are a part of the group. But, um, you know, again, like I was super happy with the opportunities that I got. Um, you know, I felt like we played a good style of basketball, which I didn't feel like was reflected in our win-loss, but I felt like, you know, how we played as a team. and um, You know, we were playing the right way and it was just unfortunate to how we finished games. But I felt like we had fun all week and we played the right way and represented the organization the right way. And, um, and yeah, just overall had a good experience. For a player like you who is not going to be the highest scoring guy on the team in summer league, how do you think about standing out during this experience? Because you're not only auditioning, I guess, for the team you're playing for, but also for the other GMs and front office folks from all the other teams. Yeah, I mean, like what I try to focus on was just what I could do that was in my control to help the team be successful. And I feel like, you know, when you simplify it like that, like how can I best utilize what I have to help the team have collective success? Um, I think if you have that mindset, you know, you can be successful anywhere because I, I truly believe like if, if there's collective team success, you know, all the individual stuff will take care of itself. Um, especially if you buy into the system and whatever you need to do to win, like you'll inevitably find success um, because you're playing the right way. You know, guys are on the same page. And that was more or less my approach coming into summer league. Like I had, I had a pretty good um, experience with the national team before coming over to the States. So that was good i guess momentum wise and mentality wise for me coming in and feeling good about my game and you know i just came in like knew i was coming in late you know knew that um you know i guess the situation that i was going into and and really just wanted to get to know my teammates as quickly as possible like all the staff and and understand you know how i could best contribute to the squad because you know the guys had already been in camp for a few days and um you know like i wanted to come in and just sort of just you know fit in seamlessly um, and I felt like, you know, sort of complimentary with how I play because I feel like I'm good at playing off people. I feel like I'm good off the ball. I feel like I'm a good rebounder, defender, talker. Um, I feel like I'm a good teammate. So I feel like that made the, the transition of going into a new group, um, you know, pretty smooth. And, um, you know, definitely, you know, it was a positive for me in, in, in transitioning to playing a different style of game and, and being around different teammates and, and understanding, you know, how I could have the best possible summer league experience I could. Um, and, you know, and, and I guess playing in that way is, is sort of the most um, translatable thing for, for playing in the NBA. Like, I'm not going to go into a game and you know, have the ball in my hands a lot and, like, be putting up, like, 15 shots a game. You know, I've got to learn how to play off guys, play defense, be solid, be able to be depended on and trusted, um, especially early um, as, as, you know, I sort of try and carve out a role and work out how I can be effective. Um, but, you know, there's just so much talent around me. Um, obviously, I'm sitting in the locker room right now, like looking around at the guys I'm going to have the opportunity to learn off is, is going to be super special. Um, so, yeah, I'm really just looking forward to the whole experience of learning and continuing to get better and learning how I can, you know, best contribute to this team and this organization. I want to talk about your expectations for this season, but before I get there, as far as the process for completing summer league and getting that contract, what did your experience at Duke, uh, 
you know, help you with in terms of either making the connections that you have with the Nuggets or, or just being prepared to parachute into the, to the summer league environment and succeed, especially, you know, you acknowledge that, that you were showing up late. So there, there might be some inherent disadvantage to that. Yeah. I feel like yeah, there was definitely some sort of dis- disadvantage in a way to me showing up late, but you know, that was just the in- inherent risk. And, in, you know, I, I accepted because, you know, that risk was, was worth it for me. You know, I've, I've always dreamed of representing the senior national team and, you know, that was my first time with the boomers and about a part of that culture and to be immersed in that was something that I'll never forget. Um, and I'm just super grateful that I was able to do both because, you know, being in the NBA and being an Olympian are the two biggest goals of my career and to be able to like take steps in the right direction of doing those things um, over the past month has been an incredible experience. So I'm definitely not taking that for granted. Um, but I think Duke has helped me. Like, I feel like I've had such a an unreal experience over the four years, like a lot of ups and downs, highs and lows. But, um, you know, I think that in itself just helped me deal with adversity and um, understand like different styles of play um, with like athletes and, and talented individual scorers and learning how to play off different guys each year. I feel like that just maybe, I guess, an adaptable player that was able to, um, yeah, just adapt to whatever environment they're in and work out how, how I can contribute. Um, and I felt like that helped me transition into the pro game in Australia after the last two years and it helped me deal with the adversity of, of tearing my Achilles and being away from the game for nine months and then being able to have a good comeback in, in six months of, of NBL and then off-season national team, summer league, and now heading into like working out here in Denver and, and getting used to everything and settled in. So I feel like Duke, is, as well as you know being at the Institute of Sport in Australia before Duke, everything's sort of been a good pathway that's prepared me for, for whatever's come next so um yeah definitely grateful for that and you won't be starstruck playing with a guy like Jokic for the first time given all the talent that was on your side at duke yeah 100 percent. but i mean at the same time like i'll still definitely be starstruck um just because obviously back-to-back mvp what he's been able to do on the international stage and uh, throughout his career so far and he's still like still young um so it's going to be great to get to know him. All I've heard is a really good things about how he is as a person. Like he's just the most regular guy and the guy that you, um, like you want on your team. But obviously like an unreal talent, um, unbelievable player. And um, yeah, just looking forward to, to getting to work with all the guys. So then looking ahead at this season, you're on the two-way contract, which means the Nuggets are able to move you a little bit between the NBA roster and the G League roster, but what are your expectations as far as maybe the number of games you're going to get to play, the, the minutes you might get to play at the NBA level? Uh, how do you how do you think about setting expectations and what does success look like for you in this first season? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't thought too hard about like the specifics of what I'm expecting in terms of playing and and bouncing back and forth. Like for me, I've found like I've had the most success when I've just sort of you know, focus on what's on, focus what's in my control and just enjoy playing, like enjoy the experience. Like like the amount of people that would want to be in my shoes right now will be sitting in this locker room and, you know, play for their national team and do all these things. Like, and I think too, like, um, like being hurt last year and being away from the game just made me appreciate how much I love basketball and love playing and, and my joy when I'm out there on the court um, and competing. So, um 
you know, I really just try to, to have that with me first and foremost, just, just be competitive, be willing to learn, approach things the right way. Um, you know, have a good, you know, four, four to six weeks here leading into, into camp and get in the best shape of my life. And yeah, like I think there's an opportunity there for me to, to play some NBA minutes. I feel like I've shown that I'm dependable and I guess can have value at that level. Um, but yeah, just, just waiting and seeing, just, just hopefully having, trying to finish the rest of this off season the right way and, and coming in in great shape and, and feeling really good about my game and you know whatever, whatever happens from there happens. Speaking as a former Colorado resident, how are you dealing with the altitude so far in Denver? To be honest, I haven't really been able to get a gauge of the effect. Um, like obviously I know it's, it's a, it's a real thing and, and affects people in different ways, but, especially when I came here for the first time, like coming into camp after the national team stuff, like I couldn't even get a gauge at all on if it was affecting me or not, because I was just so jet lagged and like messed up from, from the travel anyway. Um, but even just being here now, like I've been here for a few days now again, and like, I don't know, it's not like sticking out at me. Like it's not like a noticeable thing. Like I've been able to sleep good and like, you know, like in terms of the effect on my body, it hasn't been, significant or, or noticeable um well if you were in yeah. national team shape before you showed up then presumably yeah. good to go yeah well that's that's what i was thinking i'm like you know I'm, I'm coming in i'm in good shape like i'm just jet lagged like it's gonna be what it's gonna be you can't change it um if i don't feel the effect then that's probably you know just as good um but i think it takes like two weeks for your body to properly um i guess get used to the conditions so Give me another week and um, no, it'll, be, it'll be like second nature. You mentioned your Australian national team experience. What was that like? I know knowledgeable NBA fans will realize that there is a lot of talent, a lot of basketball talent coming out of Australia these days. So I'm sure that, that that's a, a pretty neat experience in its own right. Yeah, I mean, it was a dream come true, like... Um, being on that stage and to, to play those games in Melbourne in front of my friends and family, especially after, I guess, the year that I had with the injury and and coming back and, you know, for everyone who's sort of seen the work that I've put in behind closed doors to get back to being healthy and playing at a high level. Um, it was just special to have those sorts of people around to, to witness that um, because that's been a lifelong dream of mine for ever since I started taking basketball seriously. Um, but yeah, you said it. I mean, like Australian basketball is on the rise. Like we have so many talented guys like in the NBA now coming up, um, guys in the NBL, like the NBL is such a high level league and it's only getting better and better. And, um, you know, like the Olympic team last year getting their first, um, well, men's Olympic team getting their first medal and, you know, women's basketball in Australia is, is on another, is on another level. Like, so I think just overall, like the sport in, in Australia is heading in a great direction. And, you know, I'm just so fortunate that I'm able to, to be a part of it. If we're sticking with Australia, but also trying to pivot to Duke, my first and most important question, I think, is what role did you play in getting Tyrese Proctor to commit to come play for John Shire this season? Um, I mean, look, I didn't have to do much. I actually like hadn't really like met or or um, like spent time with Tyrese growing up like I'm, I'm getting a bit older now and he's still a young, a young pup. So we didn't really cross paths like that, um, you know, over the, over the past sort of few years. But 
um, you know, he was he was a part of the the national team camp and the games um, that I played before coming to summer league. So that was my first time like spending time with him and, and getting to know him and stuff. And oh man, I was just blown away. Like he's just such a great dude, great teammate, like funny guy, talented, talented, tough guard. Like he's going to be really good um, for for Duke and and for Coach Shire and. Um, you know, I just saw him and kept up with with his performance over in the Asia Cup in Indonesia, you know, these past couple weeks and like he was big time. Um, and for like an 18 year old kid to to step up on, on the world stage and play for your senior national team, like it's no joke. And he should be super proud of himself for, for being able to achieve that at such a young age. But it's a testament to him and the work that he's put in and the people he's got around him. Um, but no, like super excited for him and his future and like, yeah, just an absolute great person above everything else like he's going to fit right in um, at Duke. Let's look back on your time at Duke. I was talking earlier about how you got to play against some of the most talented players that have ever come through Duke and now you're going to see a lot of them again in the NBA but you stuck around at Duke for four years. You weren't a star necessarily playing for Mike Krzyzewski but you you stayed for four years. You graduated. You got to be a captain on the team. So what motivated your decision to, to keep coming back, especially these days where it feels like most guys, if they don't get a ton of playing time their first or second year, they're almost certainly going to transfer? Yeah, I mean, um, like there was definitely times, like especially after the first couple of years when I hadn't played a lot where I was like, yeah, do, do I try and like play more somewhere else or do I stick this out or, you know, what? what's what's sort of the best thing for me here but I just I decided to stick it out like I I knew that being in challenging environments was when I got the best out of myself and you know with Zion RJ and Cam coming in like guys that are sort of my size more or less like similar positions um I was like no nah, like I'm not leaving like I'm gonna stay I'm gonna like get to work I had a great summer and like that was the, the summer like me and Jav um got named captains and I was playing a lot and like it was yeah like the time where I was sort of had the most out in in what i was going to be able to do at duke and sort of turn that around and was like no man like i'm not leaving i'm not giving up on this like i'm sticking around i'm i'm gonna you know see what i can get out of myself um and like regardless like just practicing against those guys and being around those guys um makes you better you know but like going up against jason tatum every day makes you better zion every day like marvin gary Trent, grace luke and like I can go on and on about like the guys that I've had the, the pleasure of playing with and competing against and, and being mates with. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't change the experience for everything, but there were definitely times where I was like, yeah, like, is this what's best for me and, and my basketball? But, um, you know, wouldn't change it uh, for anything right now. All right. Let's get this into a little competition here of those four teams that you played on at Duke. Which one do you think was the best? Oh, the best team. Jeez. <laughs> and you know, you were on all of them. So you have to pick a favorite among your teams. I feel like either my freshman year team or my junior year team. So that freshman year team being the one with Jason Tatum. Yeah, with Jason, Harry, Grayson, Luke, Emil, Matt Jones, Frank. Like, yeah, I felt like we had, had like a big time team, talented team. Um, and then like, yeah, my junior year with Zion, Cam and RJ. Um Trey, Joey, yeah, I felt like we had a tough team. It was just unfortunate how how we ended that season. But right. yeah, every every year was great. You know, I really thought we had a a big time chance of winning the national championship my senior year when before everything got cut off, just because I felt like we were playing our best basketball at the 
in sort of the right time of the year and you know, had good momentum and yeah, I got I got to say that I had confidence um, in a say yeah. I don't think you're the only person affiliated with Duke basketball or Duke University that felt confident that that team was going to win the national championship this year. So I think we share in that disappointment. Let's come back and talk about your now brief time playing professionally in Australia. You got to play a little bit before you came to Duke and then also uh, spent about a year after college before getting this shot in the NBA. What was that like getting to uh, play for Melbourne and, and travel around your home country a bit? Yeah, so uh, before before college, like I only spent like a month with one of the pro teams just as, a, just as an injury replacement. So I was uh, up with the Cairns Taipans for a month, super like tropical place, like middle of summer, like let me see my conversion, like over like 100 degrees Fahrenheit, like it's cooking and it's humid. Um, but that was a great experience, like to get a taste of what like the professional basketball sort of lifestyle and, um, and everything involved in Australia. And that was, yeah, just a really good experience for me. And, um, and then, yeah, like the last two years have been uh, unbelievable. Like it's been, I guess, like a bit of a roller coaster. like had some really good, good, good ups and, and really low downs, but, um, yeah, like the league now in Australia is like even just in the last two years when I was playing, like has improved a lot and still taking steps in the right direction. Like every year, like the quality of players, the quality of the competition, um, like the quality of the lifestyle is something that's, that's tough to emulate um, in other leagues around the world. And, you know, even through COVID, like obviously throwing a curveball in there, but like the experience was still unbelievable. And like for me, I mean, like I got hurt. 11 games into my first year and did the Achilles. But, you know, being a part of a club like Melbourne United where I'm close to home, I have a lot of friends and family around and just the support within the club, teammates, staff, like the culture of the club is at such a a great level. Um, and it really just makes it a great environment to go to work every day. Like it just doesn't feel like work. Like you're playing basketball with your mates because all the guys in the club, are, like your teammates are just such great people and, uh, everyone bought into that common goal and you know to win that championship my, my first year uh, even though I was hurt was a great experience but like maybe just hungrier to come back this past year to, to win again and um, yeah it was unfortunate the way that the, the season ended but you know it's just how it goes and um, you know Melbourne's always going to hold a, a special place in my heart you know I'd love to finish my career there if there's an opportunity there like I've just had you know the best experience and I think you know to start my professional career with them and then to end it there around friends and family, I think would be a special thing. And, um, you know, I think it'd be great for me to see and experience like just how far the league would have, would have, would have come in, you know, hopefully 10, 15 years or whatever the time comes that, um, that I go back. But, um, yeah, had an unbelievable experience um, in Australia the last two years. Well, let's hope it does take 10 or 15 years for you to get back there because it means that you have had a long and successful NBA career. So before I let you go, it is tradition on the DBR podcast that when we get a former player on the show, he has to tell us a Coach K story. So it can be funny, it can be poignant, it can be whatever stands out. And before you start, you are also the first player to join us, first former player to join us during the John Shire era. So you are required to share a Coach K story, but we also invite you, if you would like, 
to share a story about Coach Shire as well. I mean, uh, I got things that, that are just jumped out in my brain for both. Um, I'll start with Shire because it's just a quick one. Like, this is just what I think about when I think of Shire. Because with my time at Duke with Shire, like, he was obviously the assistant. Like, we got along great. Um, but I would just remember, like, um, after practice, like, the coaches and, like, the walk-ons and the managers would always hoop. Like, they would be just be hooping all the time. And, like, especially Shire and Nolan, like, would team up and that would be just super competitive. Um, but like, especially when, um, like when I was an underclassman and wasn't playing a lot, like, like guys like me and Javin would, would jump in and play. Um, and like, we would beat them. Like we just play games to like a hundred full court, like just after practice, just, just hooping. <laughs> he is the worst loser. Like the amount of times, like I just have this image burned into my brain where he's just booting basketballs in Cameron just cause he's so pissed that they lost. Uh, like a game of pickup, so that's my that's my funny uh, coach Shire story. He's just it can be a sore loser sometimes. Me? Yeah, my usual co-hosts and I have have thought about this that guys like John Shire, Nolan Smith, who recently left the program, but Emil Jefferson is now on the staff. Those guys are still in good enough shape that they can probably give you a run for your money, right? No, I mean, they're keeping them honest and then they have the ability to, to talk some smack if, if they get the dub. So, um, no, I think it's only a good thing. And I think it as well, like, creates, like, a, a stronger connection between between player and coach and, um, you know, makes that a bit more of, like, a seamless, uh, I don't know, like, back and forth because, you know, they just have that. Because Coach K probably can't run full court anymore like he used to. I reckon he could. He'd find a way. But uh, for my Coach K story, so, like, we always – we would always meet the night before games and we'd always, like, have a little bit of food but we'd watch watch some film, just sort of, like, last-minute thoughts before we went to bed the night before a game just so we're all sort of locked in and on the same page. But, um, you know, especially for big games, um, like, we'd sometimes get, like, creative in what we do. Like, we'd – you know, sometimes it'd be as simple as just going through, like, their plays, going through some personnel – going through some of our stuff, but like this particular, um, I think we might've been playing Virginia at home. And the night before, like we're watching some clips and then they put on uh, this scene from Braveheart um, where it's like, um, they're about to go into battle and, um, you know, they're making a big speech. And like normally during the time when we're watching film or whatever, like coach is present in the locker room um but like he's not there this time but we're watching this this braveheart uh scene and like you know all the boys are just like you know we're just sitting there we're locked in we're kind of like you know like where's coach what's going on and like the scene finishes and it's like i can't remember exactly uh what um it's mel gibson right it's mel gibson right braveheart i can't remember exactly what he quotes but like says something like obviously inspirational before battle and then it finishes and then our uh, coach walks into the locker room or I say walk walks in, but like he really just storms in and he has his like cadet sword from, from West Point and he sticks it into the ground and yells. And then like all, all the boys just got up and we're like, just yelled with it. And we're like, let's go. And like, yeah, we're all just like amped up for, uh, for the game the next day. But no, I just remember him walking in. I'm like, He's got a sword, like, 
70 years old, like full of energy, full of, like, he walks in. Did he have his face painted too or did he skip that step? He was just he was just in like his regular kit and just put, walked in with a sword. And I was like, you just chuck that in your car and drove over, like what's going on? <laughs> well, Jack, you are not the first former player to tell us a Coach K motivational story that involves a sword. So either it's a, a great conspiracy among all of you, or uh, it really is his favorite prop. Well, probably both. Multi-use. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, with that, Jack White, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today on the DBR podcast. I'm sure I speak for my co-hosts who are not here when I say thanks so much. And we are wishing you the best of luck this season and for many years to come in the NBA. You take care. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on and, and stay well. So thank you again to Jack White for taking the time to speak with us. I think I speak for Donald and Jason when I say we are wishing him the best of luck on a very, very long and productive NBA career. Uh, Jason and Donald are unfortunately not here to react to that interview, so we will just have to get their reactions next time because they have not even heard it yet at the time of this publishing, which uh, it, it really is amazing how much power I have right now to just do this whole thing myself with no one to stop me, uh, which probably means I need to step back from the microphone here shortly. Uh, I really enjoyed, of course, Jack's stories about his time at Duke. I'm glad that the Coach K sword stories will continue, even though Coach K is no longer coaching Duke basketball. I was very pleased to learn during the research for this episode that the Australian men's national team are called the Boomers. That's a lot of fun, and I guess it is a reference to the male kangaroo, uh, which is great. And uh, before we go, one last uh, basketball note, a sad one. Uh, since I'm recording this on Sunday night, uh, we want to um, bid farewell to Bill Russell, who passed away, it seems like, just a few hours ago. Uh, of course, I'm up in Boston, where I'm sure there will be lots of tributes around the city to him, uh, perhaps the most influential an important basketball player of all time. So we wouldn't be a basketball program. I don't think if we, if we hadn't mentioned it. So maybe, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about him on a lighter note. Also saw that Duke basketball released more practice uh, footage this weekend. So we will have to break all of that down in, in unnecessary detail on our next episode. Send us an email anytime you want dbrpodcast at gmail.com. We continue to love hearing from you. The season is right around the corner. I saw that some tickets for the Phil Knight event are going on sale soon, so hopefully folks are getting their tickets for that so that Duke can dominate that building and, and it won't be fans of all of those other schools that we know are less important. So, all right, I'll leave it there. For Donald and Jason, I am Sam Klein. This has been episode 435 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Jack White was with us. Now he is no longer Duke Band. Take us home.
And my one silly question for you before we do the real thing. Um, so when I was in school, uh, all my classmates and I all lived around 9th Street. And yeah. uh, people liked reporting that they would see you getting burger batch all the time. Um, yeah. What was your burger batch order? Uh, we had something different every time. Um, like the, the lamb burgers were always elite. I just need to support because like Burger Batch is like a New Zealand um, like sourced, like obviously like burger company. So I was like, yeah, I've got to support the region, you know? 